you know what you did and you're going to be sorry on this episode of the Knowing God Podcast. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Knowing God. My name is John Frawley. I'm Caleb Rowland. Always introducing ourselves, and we are grateful that you are joining us today. Uh, we're going to be following up a conversation we had previously on church membership, mm -hmm. but now we're going to kind of talk on the backside of this on what it means to have church discipline within that membership. So, you know, the word discipline freaks everybody out. It does. People don't like that. And I think uh, I think of myself growing up, uh, I was a crazy kid, so I was disciplined pretty frequently. Uh -huh. And I think of... No, 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 no. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you can all imagine that. But uh, that whenever I was growing up, my mom would never, uh, would never really discipline us specifically because uh, that was part of my dad's, you know, job and everything else. That's part of what he would do. And so um, whenever we would really act up and my brother and I would be fighting, knocking holes in the wall... She would go to my dad's closet and get a belt and mm. put it on the counter. And then for the rest of the day, we would have to stare at this, having like this existential dread of, oh, no, when dad gets home, we're going to be disciplined, right? And it was this really, you know, scary thing. And then he'd get home because the biggest, you know, one of the biggest rules in our house was you don't disrespect your mother. Mm. And so whenever we'd come home and he'd, you know, see that belt there, he'd know that there was, you know, we didn't listen. We didn't respect her. You know, we mouthed off whatever it was. And it was just not a fun day. Uh, and mm. I think whenever we think about church discipline, we kind of have the same existential dread of, right, like, oh, the church is going to come down and they're really going to bring the hammer down on us and they're gonna you know throw people out of the church and they're just gonna completely you know like disfellowship with them and not let them see their family anymore and unfortunately there are you know cults and different things like that that have bred that throughout uh church history or you know people get the idea of like uh the salem witch trials right like she's a witch burn her, burn her! <laughs> then we're gonna start treating people like that but church discipline is very different than that right oh well, it's extremely different from <laughs> burner <laughs> right right <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, church discipline is a biblical thing. In mm -hmm. fact, we've talked about this before, that one of the marks of a healthy church, pure church, is that it practices church discipline mm -hmm. rightly. In fact, the reformers actually saw church discipline as an integral, fundamental part of what it means to be a church. Mm -hmm. And in our individualistic cultures, especially when you drive, you know, to work and you pass by 20 different, you know, churches on the way, or maybe you pass by all these different churches when you're on your way to church. If you, you know, get something in a situation where you don't like it in your particular church, you can just take up, uproot, and leave and go to a different church. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that happens. And, you know, people just find this topic, I think, to be very unsettling and think, you know, oh, th this is like a cult. I mean, what are you talking about, you know, cultic practices of somehow, like, keeping me, you know, oppressed and, you know, pushed down. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's how people associate church discipline. Definitely. And it is something that is completely different. And actually, it's a very beautiful thing. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we've talked about multiple times now on the podcast that one of the analogies uh, in the Bible, one of the metaphors for the church is a family, mm -hmm. right? And nobody wants to be a part of a family where there's no discipline, right? I mean, all of you parents out there are thinking, that sounds awful. Maybe some of you parents out there have kids whose friends have absolutely no discipline mm -hmm. and they come over to your house and it is just completely wild, right? It's that there's Exactly. There's no boundaries. There's no restraint in any kind of way and things just go crazy. And that's, we understand that from a family dynamic that that's bad, right? Mm -hmm. That because we love our children, we discipline them, right? Mm -hmm. Because we want them to grow up to be, uh, you know, good, uh, productive, effective members of society. Yeah. That's why we discipline them. 
And in the same way in the church, we don't just want everybody to just feel like they can just run around and do whatever. We want to come together as a family and um, part of that is discipline. Yeah, and there's kind of this understanding too, uh, you know, we live in a, as a society, you know, that, that any kind of discipline like this uh, can be seen as, you know, mean mm-hmm. or, you know, unloving. unloving, right? And so to actually have some sort of discipline on people may be perceived as, you know, being very unloving mm-hmm. or just, just, you know, mean. Right. Uh, and so, you know, what ends up happening is you kind of have people with conflicts in the church that are not addressed mm-hmm. because, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I want to kind of tiptoe around this. It's going to hurt their feelings if I do this. And that creates a very unstable, very unhealthy environment. That's yeah, cancerous. It is. It's very cancerous. And that's what the world sees a lot of times. And unfortunately, why many, especially in the younger generations will say, well, churches are just full of hypocrites. And, that's right. and there's people mm-hmm. who do X, Y, Z and X, Y, Z in the church that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. They had this going on and they had this going on. There were people who were, you know, uh, had shady business practices and were greedy and they'd never talk about those people but they sure did like to harp on these other sins you know and so I think that it's so important that we are consistent because the gospel is consistent yeah and this flows out of a topic of church membership correct you know like you really can't do this well if you don't have some sort of commitment that you've made to one another in covenant fellowship correct because in a church membership covenant you're saying i'm going to come underneath the leadership Mm -hmm. of the elders and the pastors of this church i'm also going to agree to live in community uh, with accountability to one another and we're going to grow in christ together this is the way that we are going to work together Mm -hmm. and if you don't have that agreement then yeah i don't think that church discipline can even work in an environment that has a very loose or even non-existent church membership Correct. I mean, it's the same if we go back to the family analogy that you can discipline your children Mm -hmm. in a a loving, corrective way. But when their friends come over, you can't discipline them in the same way that you discipline your children. right? And in a lot of ways, you can't really discipline them at all other than go home. Like, you know, I don't want to see you. Like, go back to your parents. Let them deal with you. I can't deal with you anymore. Right. There's a different in discipline. Unless you have an agreed upon kind of standard with those other parents. Correct. We have family friends of ours mm-hmm. that we kind of have this mutual understanding that, hey, if my kid acts up in your house, you can discipline them. Right. You can discipline them but kind of via proxy right. because we're going we're gonna to hold them to the same standards you hold your kids to. Exactly. And that, again, kind of comes into this illustration of church membership. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about a case study. Uh, we won't have time to, to read it, but 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Go back and read this if you can. Uh, great case study on the issue of church discipline. And there, Paul is actually correcting the Corinthian church because there was a person uh, that was living in relationship. Um, I guess it was his daughter-in-law, I think it was. I mean, do you remember what it was exactly? So it was his, uh, his, I'm trying to remember his stepmom. Yeah. It was his father's, it was his father's wife, but not his mother. Yeah. Yeah. Not that that's not weird enough, but. (laughs) Anyways, there was incest. Yes. And the church was kind of just looking the other way, not really doing anything about it. And Paul said, man, you got to do something about this. Mm -hmm. Like, this is something that isn't even tolerated in the pagan families that are around you. And you are just tolerating this. So, uh, so interestingly, they did. Right. Evidently, they followed up on his counsel and his advice and kicked the person out of the church. And it was so harsh that when you get to Second Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says, hey, you've done enough. Mm-hmm. Like this person is, you know, broken and you have unnecessarily hurt this person. So let's talk about the purpose of church discipline. Mm-hmm. What are we after? Uh, ultimately, we are after restoration. We are after uh, people coming into alignment with the Word of God mm-hmm. and living out lives that honor 
God. That is the ultimate purpose of, of church discipline is to say that we want to have people reconciled to their Savior, reconciled to their fellow pe- uh, brothers and sisters, and living out lives that are glorifying to God. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. It's like a broken bone that you put in a cast and you want mm-hmm. it to heal. You want it to mend right. So some of the purposes of church discipline uh, that we've talked about before bring in, you know, in this discussion as well is, again, to restore, uh, to keep sin from spreading, protects the reputation of the church and the community. You know, if you don't do anything about the sin that is running rampant in your Mm -hmm. church, I mean, when people come from the outside to visit your church, you know, it's just going to, you know, push this narrative forward, this reputation forward. Man, that is a dysfunctional, nasty church. You don't want to go there. Yeah, and I think the church at Corinth is a great example of this as well because Paul actually chastised them because they were proud of how how basically loose they were, right? Mm -hmm. They were proud about allowing these things in the church and saying, aren't we so loving that we just have all of this going on in the church and we just let it keep on going? Aren't we so loving? And Paul told them, no, you're not. You're actually the complete opposite of loving whenever you allow that to happen in the church. And not only that, but you're driving those who are far from God even further from God because of your witness. And I think that uh, we face the same thing in our day, that there are churches who pride themselves in the fact that they are so maybe accepting or loving, that they never say anything about anybody's sin, or they never say anything about anybody's lifestyle that they're living that is contrary to Scripture. And uh, let's just say that, that that is not loving. That is actually the complete opposite of loving. You know, the Bible tells us that no discipline at the time is pleasant but painful, but in the end it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And if we want to uh, have our people be able to yield fruits of righteousness, it's going to involve discipline. Yep. So let's talk about some of the different sins that might bring mm-hmm. discipline. So I don't think you'll find an exhaustive list no, in the New Testament. not at all. Uh, which is probably good because mm-hmm. we have, we as human beings always look for loopholes. Yes, you know, we like, do. Well, I'm not guilty of that because, mm-hmm. you know, so, but we do have several examples. Divisiveness mm-hmm. is a cause for discipline and correction. Uh, incest that we've mentioned, laziness, refusing to work. Um, disobeying authority of the apostles and authority of elders in a church, um, and then just teaching heresy. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, yeah, well, right. you would want to correct that, right? Yes, definitely. So you want to definitely bring correction to that. Let's talk about some general principles, though, mm-hmm. when it comes to this correction. So um, I think just first of all, we need to say that there's a lot of wisdom that is needed here, Right. that we aren't looking to you know uncover people's sin and say, gotcha, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to discipline you for that. There's right. a lot of humility. There's a lot of grace that needs to be illustrated here. Absolutely. And so uh, one of the things is that, um, especially whenever there are outward and public sins, and this is not to say that outward sins are worse than secret sins. In a lot of ways, secret sins are are even can be more detrimental. Mm-hmm. But whenever we look at things that are are outward and public, so for example, um, people who are you know, um, I had a friend, who, church planter, and uh, was married and bringing his uh, adultery partner into a church service with him when everybody knows that he's married and that he has a wife and that they are still supposed to be in the covenant of marriage and yet he's bringing his um, his mistress really into the church with him to go to services and just knowing that that is like, that is wrong. Yeah. And, and that has to be spoken out against. And, and very much to his credit and to his, uh, it cost him a lot to do, spoke out against that and said that is absolutely wrong. And it actually cost them their meeting space that they were meeting in. Um, but in all of that to say that that's a time when discipline must be uh, addressed is whenever there are those outward public sins where people just say, this is not right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, outward public sins, things that are continued, you mm-hmm. know, on a kind of a habitual 
basis. It's, it's important that we recognize sins that have kind of a habit. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you mess up once, you know, I mean, but we're talking about something that is continued and it's observable and it's mm-hmm. repeatable. And again, you know, wisdom is needed in the way that we address these things. Definitely. And just as a principle for all of us believers is I think that um, there's just so much grace waiting in the church whenever we come and say that we're struggling. So if you are somebody who's struggling, maybe with habitual sin, or maybe you have secret sin that you feel like is about to come out to the public, like you go confess your sin. You know, I, I feel like um, the opportunities for restoration and for um, being gentleness really are so much increased whenever we confess as opposed to whenever we're found out. Yeah. You know, that whenever we confess things and we come to people in a spirit of humility, there's a lot of, of leeway for us to be able to find healing in that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that takes us to this next point, just how, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a, a lot of assumptions here that, you know, that church discipline comes from the top down and it's very oppressive and it's very strict and stern. But really, you know, if you have good church membership, mm-hmm. the majority, if not, I would say, you know, 99% of church discipline can happen in a very small circle, mm-hmm. can happen in your small groups. Absolutely. And I mean, the goal for, I mean, us as pastors is mm-hmm. the fact that church discipline would be running like the OS in the background all the time, and that we would probably hear about very few of the cases of church yeah. discipline that actually take place. And I mean, this looks like in a small group, whenever you notice that maybe one of your brothers is irritable and is kind of not speaking very kindly to his family and to his wife, and you pull him aside and say, hey, brother, are you okay? Like, what's mm-hmm. going on? I've noticed these patterns in your life. Like, how can I pray with you? How can we work through this? And and most of the time, many times, whenever that's done well, there is re- restoration and reconciliation, you know, very quickly. And people mm-hmm. are, are um, grateful and appreciative for those things and those happen um you know on a on a consistent basis whenever you have healthy membership yeah and you think that it might just be blind spots that people have in their lives absolutely you know they don't see that they're speaking ill mm-hmm. of their family their spouse or whatever right. and you say man yeah I, I this is what i hear and this is how what you're projecting and essentially what you're saying is i love you too much to 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 ignore this absolutely you know i i want to see this corrected in your life because i believe that you're better than that mm-hmm. and you want to be better than that. Mm -hmm. So the general principle is always for church discipline that it starts very, very small. And if necessary, that circle has to grow, Mm -hmm. you know, so if that person, you know, that is having some sort of correction gets very defensive, or there's, you know, a a habit or some sort of, you know, sin that's continually repeated, that circle may need to grow. And Mm -hmm. we might call this an intervention of sorts. But again, you know, the pattern is, hey, there's one, and maybe there's two that goes, maybe there's a handful. At some point, you know, leadership in the church can get involved if necessary. Correct. And I think whenever we get to that point, it's like none of us are sitting in our office thinking, man, I'm I'm ready for the next time that I get to do some church discipline. Like that just sounds like so much fun. Like it, you know, your parents growing up might have told you that uh, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And in a lot of ways, let me tell you that that's true for pastors. Like the, yeah. that is like the last thing that we want to do is to have to go to somebody in an official capacity and say your sin has become so egregious. You've you've bucked off all restraint over and over again, and now we have to come to you and we have to tell you that this has to stop. And if it doesn't stop, then we're going to have to. Uh, remove you from membership. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean we stop loving you. We're going to treat you, the Bible says, treat them like a non-believer. We're going to just keep preaching the gospel to you because obviously you don't understand the gospel of Jesus Christ if you're allowing yourself to live habitually and perpetually in these yeah. sin patterns. What's, so. real, what's really sad is for many pastors, 
because we live in a very individualistic society, uh, I, I would, in an ironic kind of way, I would love to have that conversation with someone mm-hmm. to say, hey, we love you so much. Here are things that will happen in your life if you don't find correction and you mm-hmm. don't seek correction in your life. A lot of times, unfortunately, people leave and jettison before you can even get there. It's true. And they take their sin with them, and sometimes they take it into a new church. Mm-hmm. And what we've always said is, you know, that follows you into, you know, that new church. So what you leave with follows with you. Mm-hmm. And so if there's no correction on the front end, um, then there's going to be, you know, dysfunction that just begins to spider web and kind of, again, mm-hmm. it's like cancer. It spreads into a new body. Absolutely. So the best thing that can really happen is for a person who is living in sin to receive that correction with humility and then to go before God and say, okay, what must happen Mm -hmm. and how do I process this? Yes, my feelings might be a little hurt, but how do I process this in a holy way? Because again, my commitment to this church is real, it's viable, it's secure, and I trust you, pastor, or I trust you, small group leader, Mm -hmm. enough to come underneath your leadership because I believe that you are a shepherd over my soul. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, um, as we've talked about the pure church and impure church, healthy churches, that if you're you're part of a healthy church with uh, a staff and, and volunteers and leaders who love you, then um, this this word this is a quote from uh, from Todd Wagner and he said we don't shoot our wounded but we don't leave our wounded at war and I think that is uh, the heart of the majority of pastors that you're going to find especially in healthy churches across the United States is it's not our our goal to just shoot you whenever you're wounded to kick you whenever you're down but it's also not our goal to leave you out on the front lines whenever there's some serious issues we want you to pull back we want to put you in the medical unit and get you all the help that you need to be able to get healthy so that you can continue to live in the fear and the grace and the power of God in your life. Absolutely. And that's a great place to end there. It's just a call back to the gospel, the simple gospel message that sinners are redeemed and reconciled by grace, by the goodness of the grace of God displayed and manifested in Jesus Christ. Mm. And let us be agents of that. And so if you are a member of a church, our goal is not that you go and, you know, uncover rocks and find the squiggly sins that are living in the darkness and say, I got you, uh, but rather that you live with holy, pure community. And as issues of discipline come up, that they would be corrected quickly. They'd be corrected uh, spiritually with humility, ultimately to the glory of God so that the reputation of his church is unstained and that people are drawn to a gospel like that. Absolutely. So we love you and we are excited to see you next week on the Knowing God podcast. <laughs>